Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. So good. You may be seated. And if you are on Zoom, welcome. I'm guessing you're probably already seated. Although sometimes people stand up in their, you know, in their bedroom or whatever. That's cool. Um, I'm Bill White. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, one of the co-pastors here, and I'm really glad to see you all. Uh, City Church is a radically welcoming community on a journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. That's what we're about. And in this Advent season, Advent for those who are kind of new, we have a lot of folks here who are kind of new to this expression of uh, Christianity. So Advent is this season of waiting, and typically it starts... Uh, the last Sunday in November and leads up and through Christmas. And it's this idea that, you know, we want more in our life. We want to become who we were meant to be as persons. And we want all that God has for ourselves and our neighborhoods and our world. Uh, we want, in an essence, you could say we want Christ. We want we want all that, that God has for us in Christ, which is that. So that's what we're doing, and that's why we're starting to sing Christmas carols here in 70-degree weather in November. So in case you're wondering, so it's a good thing. Um, just one or two detail things to keep us oriented here. If you're new here in person, there's a bathroom right inside the auditorium. You go in and turn left, and it's right there. There also is, there's a bathroom here and around the corner. These are dead bolted open to start, and when you go inside, they'll lock behind you, but on your way out, if you would dead bolt them so that then the next person can get in because they lock automatically. Uh, and then we love to uh, bless our kids. We think it's a gift to have kids. And if, uh, if anyone's here and you've got a kid and your kid is chatting during the sermon or something like that or crying, we think that's normal and totally fine. All right. We also create space for kids to go and do crafts. So if they want to do that and they have a little story and stuff like that, they will go with our fearless friend, Emma. Uh, and Emma, do you want to come and pray over the kids? Uh, we just like to pray over the kids here in the service and the kids who are here at Lafayette Elementary School and the kids of the world because we think God likes kids. Good morning, church. All right, let's pray together. Lord God, as we enter this Advent season together, we offer special prayers for all the children with us today. May there be born in them and strengthened in them in this time an unshakable sense of their own goodness and how completely beloved they are by you. May this sense grow stronger and stronger through this season and through the whole next year. Thank you for loving them so well. Teach us to love them better and love each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, Emma. And here is your other fearless co-pastor, Brennan Rubio. Thanks, friends. Um, the first Sunday of Advent always feels so strange to me. Like, it's such an in-between time, right? We've just finished one kind of holiday, I mean, however we celebrate that, but usually there's some time with friends and family and all the different emotions that can bring up. Like, we've just finished that. And it's like we're just supposed to kind of snap our fingers and be in mode for the, 
the next thing. It's a little weird. Um, so if some of you are feeling that tension this morning, like we're already in Christmas season, I'm there with you. I feel it too. Um, but maybe it is actually good that we get a little bit of time before it's even December to kind of start thinking, what is it we need and we want from this season that's coming up? You know, how are we gonna, how are we gonna handle this thing? We are gonna be exploring some of the traditional Christmas stories. Uh, and for some of you, that might feel like a really, really good thing because what you are wanting most from this season is you are wanting some comfort, right? Like give me some ritual. Give me some tradition, something that I have seen a million times, I've heard a million times, and I know what's coming because there is just enough craziness in the world. Give me some stability. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna be doing those traditional stories. But here's the good news for those of you who are like, no, the world is on fire and I want nothing to do with tradition, right? I need something to help me make sense of the fact that the world is still crazy, that I can't unsee everything that I saw over the last couple of years. You know, I, I can't unring that bell. I see it now. Here's the good news for you. The traditional stories are not all that traditional, right? The traditional stories are actually world-changing. The traditional stories are about a people in progress, a world where God is like breaking in in just dramatic, incredible ways. They're disruptive stories. And so, they'll have something for you too. In fact, this whole season, what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be looking at these traditional stories through a different lens uh, that in some ways I'm like, well, we talk about this stuff all the time, but I don't know that I've ever seen it in those traditional Christmas stories before. And the theme, the lens that we're gonna take is the lens of pilgrimage. Some of you might know what that is. You know, maybe you read that, you know, old traditional book, A Pilgrim's Progress, or some version of it. Uh, or you've seen the movies, you've heard the stories of people who go to Europe, and they go on the big pilgrimages. They trek across Europe with other people for a few months to, to get to a sacred site. Um, a pilgrimage, uh, a friend of ours uh, named Wes Granberg Michelson, he, he defines it as a journey with a holy purpose toward a, a place of spiritual significance. Just the first part of that even, it's a journey with a holy purpose. It's not just wandering, it is wandering. And maybe you don't even know exactly where you're going. You've never been there before. But there's something that's driving you. And in all of these traditional Christmas stories, there's a journey. Nobody stays where they are. They all have something that is leading them out to a place that they have never been before. And so we're gonna get to look at those stories through that lens today and throughout the rest of this season. So with that little intro, would you welcome up with me our friend Byron Bush, because he is gonna read scripture for us this morning. Let's give him a welcome. And if you're here in person and you'd be willing to stand uh, just as we listen to the word of God, and if you're at home, you decide what feels good to you in this moment. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my God, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, 
They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go with strength, from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. People of God, this is the word of God. Thank you so much, Byron. So there's a question we ask all the time when we get people together at City Church, um, just as sort of the, the get to know you kind of process, because almost everybody has an interesting story. And it's the, how did you end up at City Church question, right? And you all have your answers. And, and sometimes we invite you up here, right? And we're going to do that today. And somebody's going to get to answer, how did you end up at City Church? Um, because we acknowledge that this is not, this is maybe not the most common of locations for people to end up. Um, I actually have one of those stories too. I'm not, I, I wasn't one of the co-founding pastors at City Church of Long Beach. I've been here for about six, six and a half years now. I dated by my youngest children because I was hugely pregnant with them when I showed up. Uh, and, and so my how did I come to City Church story is like a lot like you. I always tell people, well, I limped in just like everybody else. I was feeling a little beat up by the church, right? It had been, it had been a hard season. I was working at a church right before I came, and it was a hard season of ministry. And, and so there's this sense of, I actually knew Bill and his, uh, his co-pastor at the time, Jason. I knew them a little bit, and I knew them enough that I was on their email list. And so every week I would get these crazy emails from Bill with these like just weird stories that I loved. There was just like, ooh, wow, they do. They do interesting things at City Church of Long Beach. And oh, wow. Like, like so, so there was a real pull for me, right? Of, wow, well, I, I, I kind of had my eye on this church for a while. But there was also this push that quite frankly, I, I essentially got booted out of the last place that I was at. I didn't fit there anymore. Um, and so it was a painful season, and I limped in, just like so many of you. For so many of you, sometimes there, there was a pull, pulling you out of the place where you've been before, and then for some of you, well, there's a little bit of a kick, too, right? You experience that kick. You just don't fit there anymore. The passages that we're going to look at today, they are full of those sorts of tensions as well. Like this one that Byron just read for us, there's this tension between building, nesting, settling into a place and leaving, realizing that the place that you thought was home really isn't home enough anymore. So we start in verse three, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. You know, when I think about my previous church experience, um, I'm a military brat, some of you may know that already, but I moved around all the time growing up. Uh, I think I counted once and it was like 13 places uh, before I went to college, or maybe college was number 13. I went to three different high schools before I graduated. There was just a constant moving around. And so for me, when I got married and I found a church, eventually I joined that church's staff, there was this sense of absolute nesting. I had done enough moving around. I had very few friendships that had you know, survived more than three or four years, right? So whatever else happened, whoever else I was growing, whoever else I was starting to ask some questions, man, it was gonna be so hard to wanna leave that place because I'd nested and I'd found home and roots for the first time in so long. And, and some of you have experienced some of that too. There are deep and legitimate longings for home, 
for belonging, for connection. And maybe you're experiencing that even today, that you would say, that's the kind of season I'm in. I'm in a season where I am building and I am putting down roots. But others of you, you may resonate more with verses five and seven. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. There is something in you that knows you have to explore. You have to leave the place that you've always known for something that, man, you don't even know what it's gonna look like, but you know you're being pulled there. There is something in you that will not, will not stop. Even for me, in, in the pain of feeling like I was sort of forced out of one community, there was another part of me, even in that moment, that knew it was freedom, that knew uh, I was going to be able to ask some questions more honestly, more boldly than I'd been letting myself before, that there was going to be a new territory to explore. And our friend Wes, who defined pilgrimage for us as this journey with a holy purpose, that's one of the things that he really articulates. He's one of those crazy people who's wandered across Europe, you know, for a couple months in his 70s. Um, and uh, he's like, well, there's just something about getting away from what is familiar, right, that all of a sudden opens up new possibilities. You lack familiarity, you lack certainty. And so now you have, you've created new space. You can see things differently. And we see that in the passage. Again, there's just this honoring of this desire and this need that we have at times to, to go on the journey, that you're gonna get to go from strength to strength. You're not even gonna know what you need. It's gonna, you're gonna have just enough for the next step to get you to the next place. And it's gonna be okay. Recently, there's been a lot of conversation, you know, on social media and other places around what this looks like in terms of people's spiritual beliefs and belief systems. So I think, how many people are familiar with the word deconstruction? Everybody pretty much, yeah, right? The sense of to deconstruct in a lot of ways is to go on pilgrimage in terms of your spiritual beliefs, to be in the space of like, I don't know anymore. The belief system that felt like home I need something else, I need something more. And so you go off and you ask questions and you explore new ideas versus being a builder, being in that construction mode. And, and so that we've seen this kind of tension in this debate, is deconstruction a good thing, is it a bad thing? And, and then some of us are in the middle just going like, well, it's a real thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. And maybe the problem is that we keep trying to pit them against each other, just like this tension between building settling and going on pilgrimage say it's it's really not about one or the other it's not one good and the other bad it's it's a both and we're constantly trying to create these binaries right and constantly in this space going let's collapse the binary because it's both in different seasons what do you need where are you currently at maybe we're meant to cycle if right now you'd say i'm in a space of deconstruction i can pretty much guarantee you i mean i don't know when it's going to happen but at some point, you're going to hit that construction season again, that reconstruction. And if you're in a place of building right now, at some point you're going to end up in a season where you're asking some questions. It's just what we do. It's, what's it's, it's a real thing. <laughs> it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just, this is actually what we do. This is actually how we grow. And even in scripture, it says, yeah, you're going to have different seasons. And they're both valid. 
So I was thinking about City Church in particular, and I just felt like having a little, you know, just like, sometimes it's good to process at sort of a meta level. Like, what are we like as a community? What is it like to be here at City Church? Bill and I were having a conversation recently with a therapist friend uh, who had been talking with another friend about us, and the friend had been like, oh yeah, City Church, like City Church, that's 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 that church that's like, it's like the triage center for all the people who, who've been hurt by the church, right? We're like the emergency room for all the people who've been like slapped around and beaten up by the church. And Bill and I were kind of like, yeah, yeah, we've, we've sort of thought that before. You know, people tend to come, I mean, like I said, I limped in, right? Yeah, yeah, that kind of works. But then I was traveling this last week, as many of us were, and, you know, we went out to Arizona. And so we had a lot of those, like, long stretches, right, where it's just, like, you and a bunch of trucks for, like, 60, 70 miles. And then you hit the, a little bit of civilization, right, a gas station where you hope the bathrooms won't be too awful. And, um, you know, and maybe a little restaurant. If you're lucky, there might be a Starbucks. Um, probably not. So we were, we, were in, we were doing that, and I just had this, like, you know what we're like even more than we're like a triage station? We're like a way station. We're like one of these little communities out in the middle of nowhere, right? Where a lot of people come through who are just on their journey and they need a little respite, right? They need a space to just fuel up again, find a little comfort, a little sense of community. And they may or may not stay. And that's our reality sometimes as a church, is that there are people who are at City Church who, you know, this has kind of become their home. And, and we're building something together, right? In our own little, very shabby way, where we're like, ooh, look how fancy we have. We have, what do you even call those? Wreaths. <laughs> as, as fancy as we get, right? Versus the churches, and it's totally legit. I'm not, because again, tension, right? a church that is much more in builder mode who they've been decorating for like a week, right, before Christmas begins. Um, but yeah, so there's some of us who are like, we're building in our own little way. And, and then we have people who come and they're with us, you know, once a month or for a couple months and, and they get what they need. They were in a moment of transition and real pain and confusion and, and City Church is a safe space to come and breathe and figure out what's next. And we get to do that for each other. How beautiful. And we get to not look down on each other. The people who are gonna stay and make it home, you know, for this however long, that we get to enjoy and just say, wherever you are on your journey, you wanna come once a month, you wanna come for a couple months, man, you're welcome. You're so welcome here. And for those of us who may be, you know, like this is just a, a step on the journey to say, and it's good that this little church is building and pouring into its community in its own, in its own little way. Um, so I thought we might crowdsource just a little bit here, acknowledging in this way that everybody's in a different place. Some of us here are more builders. You're in a season where you're putting down roots, you're starting to try and deconstruct or reconstruct, and others of you, you're like, I have no idea how long I'm gonna be able to tolerate this place, right? Because I have a lot of questions and, you know, I may be on my way out the door, and, and that's actually totally legitimate too. We're glad you're here. If all you want is a free cup of coffee, so glad you're here. So I want to crowdsource just a little bit. You guys call it for me. What are some of the things that you think or you say, maybe you feel like if you're somebody who is more in a building place, a nesting kind of place on the spiritual journey? 
What does that look like or feel like? Any thoughts? We're little this morning. We can do it. You don't have to have stage fright because there's like, you know, there's like 20, 30 of us here. <laughs> How would you know if you were starting to feel at home in a place? You feel comfortable? Uh-huh. Bill's checking the chat, so anybody in Zoom, put your answers in the chat. Yeah, go for it. You don't have to put up your hand. Yeah. Yeah, getting on like an email, like you trust us enough to give us your email. <laughs> right? We're not completely spamming you. Yeah, totally. Safe, known, and you help with kids' ministry. Yeah, you might start dabbling at little, like, you know, whether it's kids' ministry or just coming five minutes early to pull out some chairs. Yeah, you might kind of go like, all right, this is kind of my place. Yeah, totally. You start knowing people's faces and their stories. Yeah, and that takes some time, right? Yeah, but you start to kind of like, okay, these are actually my people. Yeah, totally. You start getting willing to move out of your comfort zone. Yeah, because maybe when you first show up, you just kind of hang back a little bit. Totally legitimate, but now, yeah, you're starting to settle. Uh, someone said that uh, tacos always help in the building process. Tacos do help in the building process. There's a reason Taco Sunday is a holy day around here, right? Absolutely. Uh-huh, yeah, you, you feel like you can come without any shame. This is just your place and your people and you get to be yourself. Yeah, totally. Do you feel brave enough to invite your friends to church? Oh, you feel your friends to church. I, yeah, that you think they're not gonna get whacked over the head. Completely, completely. And then parents, like Bill bringing his mom today, man, that's a whole nother level. <laughs> we usually pray for people who bring their parents. <laughs> And I know there are a few others here today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Karen. Yeah. Yeah. So Karen's saying, like, it can actually be like sort of part of the pilgrimage because you're maybe trying to figure out what home even means in your life. And when you start to feel like there's, there's, some, there's a matchup, there's alignment between what you think home should be and what you feel in a particular community. That's so good. Last one and then we'll segue to the other. You start to eat together with other people, yeah. Not just tacos, not just when like the big group says, hey, we're having a meal together and somebody else organizes it, but when you know you can just grab somebody else and get a meal or say, come over for dinner. And maybe you don't even like, for me, I'm just adding, when I don't have to get fancy about the other person coming over. When it's like, you can eat tuna sandwiches with my family, right? I'm not gonna try to impress you. Um, so sorry if you just like, oh, that sounds gross. <laughs> Okay, so let's do a couple minutes on the other side. What does it feel, because it's just as legitimate. It's just as legitimate. What does it feel like 
when you're more into kind of like, man, I, I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey and I'm not ready to settle. I don't even know what I want. I just know that I want something. What does that feel like? What are you thinking and saying? Yeah, mystery and excitement. There's actually some positive to that feeling. You can feel freedom. Yeah, I'm, I'm not locked in. Yeah, it's so good. What else? Bill's monitoring to the chat still, so pop in, guys. When you're on the journey, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Daring questions. Daring questions. You can even say them out loud. <laughs> you don't even care if people call you a heretic. Maybe you care a little. Arriving late and leaving early. <laughs> Woo! Talk about freedom. Arriving late and leaving early. Yep. Yep. We, uh, someone outed us, Bill and I, we were at this like meeting with all these other church leaders and someone I won't name, Donna Berkland, um, <laughs> outed us. She was just like, oh yeah, city church is so great. Even the elders barely come to church. <laughs> Like, yes, we're that impressive. <laughs> what else? What else does it feel like? Anything from the chat, Bill? Yeah, working through how to say goodbye to your previous church. Yes. Oh, we're in this transition space, and you're going to have to work out how to say goodbye. Right? You don't even know where you're going yet, for sure, but you know you can't stay. What does a healthy goodbye look like for you, maybe for the other people? Yeah. It's a scary, and scary and unnerving. Yeah. There can be excitement and mystery. There can be some fear and discomfort. Yeah. And it's all part of the journey. It's all part of it. So we're just recognizing it today. We're saying both of these drives, both of these realities are honored in Scripture. And they're part of all the stories that we're going to be looking at this Christmas season. So our first Christmas story that we're going to look at just, just really briefly this morning is the story of Mary, who has just found out that she's going to be pregnant with Jesus. She's going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Um, and she's not yet married. This is a bit scandalous for the time, right? Uh, and she is going to go on a journey. She's going to go stay with her cousin, Elizabeth, who she has just found out is also pregnant. And so as you listen to this passage, I want you to just ask yourself, think of this as a pilgrimage, right? Think of this as Mary setting off into the unknown. And what is driving her? Like, what is she looking for? And what does she actually find? So our friend Amy Prescott is going to come up and read for us. You can welcome her, but you do not have to stand this time. But yeah. I see how it is. I'm not important enough to stand for. It's okay. <laughs> All right. I um, say you guys want to stand. <laughs> All right. So this is Luke 139 through 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. 
But why am I so favored that the mother of, the, of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> you know, saying that uh, people of God thing, it's like when I want to like say a prayer again when dessert is served. It's just reflex. Um, okay, so what was Mary searching for? I mean, you kind of get the impression, right? I mean, she's the one who's, who's making the choice here. The text is very clear. It's Mary who gets ready, and she hurries off to a town in the hill country of Judea because she's going to her cousin Elizabeth's house. She has a purpose. She's the one who makes the plan. She's the one who does it. I just think it's, for me, I want to emphasize that part because sometimes we get a little bit of like a picture of Mary as being sort of passive, right? You know, just kind of like God just does stuff. And Mary's just like, okay. But, but no, she, she says yes to God when the angel comes and says, you're gonna, you're gonna be mother to this child. She says, yes, absolutely. And he or she is the one taking charge and, and she's going after something that she needs. Now I will say it's a little bit, um, we can't really tell what's happening in the passage. Kind of like my story of coming to City Church of Long Beach, like was it more carrot or more stick? Like was there a positive pull towards Elizabeth or did she get pushed? Because there might be a way of looking at the story where you kind of go, okay, she's an unwed mother. It might be really helpful for her to go spend a couple of months with people who don't know her as well, right? Confuse some dates around when the pregnancy actually started, right? People who don't know whether or not she's married yet, right? So there, there's some practical possibilities out there for why it was that she decided. It may have been that she just didn't fit where she was anymore. And so she was gonna have to go. But on the other hand, we also know that she's been told specifically by the angel who talked to her, hey, your, your cousin Elizabeth, she's expecting too. She's pregnant too. And so was she maybe hoping for some companionship? Like just not to be alone? That's kind of where I wanna spend just a few more minutes talking this morning, this idea of aloneness. Because it's such a problem for us going on a journey, leaving what we have always known. This idea of loneliness, it crops up all the time. In some of the, those recent discussions around deconstruction and people, there were some people mouthing off kind of about, oh, those people who deconstruct, it's just because they think it makes them so cool, it's hip, it's, I don't know, whatever. Is hip even a word? But these people were using it, so they didn't know either. Um, and so many of us kind of going, how could you possibly think that it would be a draw to go into deconstruction thinking somehow that's gonna make your life, like it's gonna elevate your status amongst people, right? No, most of us go into deconstruction very fearful about what it's gonna do to our relationships. When I can't stay in this place anymore and worship, what does it do for my friendships in that church, right? When I start asking questions that nobody else is asking, will they still love me? I still remember having that conversation with one of my closest friends as I started um, unpacking some questions around sexuality here at City Church of Long Beach and just looking at her and saying, hey, if I become a flaming progressive, will you still love me? She said yes. <laughs> I was grateful. 
but it's a real question and it doesn't end even just when you get here because one of the other things that I know because I talk to you guys so much is that every single one of you at some root level, whether more or less obvious, you're worried that you're the weirdest one here and that nobody else is quite like you. You know, nobody else is in your age bracket. And usually I'm kind of going, well, you know, and, you know, and, and then sexuality or neurotype or education or like everybody has something where you're worried that you're alone. And, you know, Mary may have had some of that too because she's going and she's gonna connect with Elizabeth. Maybe she's kind of hopeful that she's gonna find companionship. I mean, I think that's maybe what she wants, but Elizabeth is like decades older than her, right? Elizabeth has been barren for years. Um, Elizabeth is married to a priest, like one of the churchy people, and she's going an unwed mother, right? All of this fear, could Elizabeth really know who I am? And yet what she finds is that, well, yeah, Elizabeth, she's different, but there's something in Elizabeth when she sees Mary, I think she sees him beyond the pregnancy, right? But she just looks at her and the scripture says, she says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you are bare. She sees and she calls out the goodness in Mary and the journey that she's on and says, it's me too, me too. God has done something amazing in my life as well. And we're going to get to share it. Like whatever makes us different, we're both in this space of seeking and of trusting. We're both on the journey. We're both experiencing change. So as we often love to do, uh, we want you to be able to hear from somebody else a different story here at City Church of Long Beach. And so Amy, who we did not stand for before, how about you stand and welcome her once again? Because Bill, Bill is going to come interview her. Look, the people, everyone's standing for you. You can be seated. You can be seated. <laughs> here, come here in the middle so people can see you. There you go. Um, so, Amy, tell us, how long have you been around uh, City Church? Um, like eight or nine months, I think. So, like, you're an old-timer. Basically. I'm like a grandma. <laughs> on really. All right. All right. Um, and tell us, why did you come here? Like, how did you find us? I don't, I don't even know how that went, but. I told you this story, but it's fine. He already forgot. Um, yeah, so I uh, moved out to California about almost two and a half years ago now um, to go to grad school. And when I was living in Texas, I had stopped going to church because the church I had been at was really not accepting. So then when I came here, I tried a couple churches and they were all right, but they weren't like, proud of who I was. I wanted to be somewhere that would be like proud of my identity and just like all of that. And so then I looked online and I found City Church and then I went on Zoom and that's that's it. That's the whole story. Wow, there you go. <laughs> and you and you you survived. And then you actually came in person this mm -hmm. summer, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, whenever we started in mm -hmm. person like the first or second week. That's amazing. So um so tell us this. Tell us um do you identify in this season of life as more as that that builder like hey you know i'm, I'm building some stuff or like you know i'm i'm on the journey uh, and i'm deconstructing some stuff okay so i thought about this for the last however many minutes i've been sitting over there in that chair um, <laughs> i mean also, we did i mean we asked her a long time ago of course yeah yeah 20 <laughs> minutes before when i first got here they asked me to do this so 
I thought about it since then, what I was going to say. Um, and I think the answer like isn't as simple as that, okay. unfortunately. Right. No, right, that's wish fine. I could, wish I could just give you one. But I think in some ways I kind of fall into both. I think where I'm at right now, I really want to be like building, but also I'm in grad school. I don't know where I'm going to be yeah, in three right. years. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know what my life is going to look like. And so this could be a way station. Yeah, exactly. Or not. Yeah, exactly. And mm -hmm. so I feel like that's a very weird spot to be in, yeah. very uncomfortable spot to be in. Um, how about on your faith journey? Like, how, yeah. how, 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 is it the same there, too? Yeah. Or is it different? Yeah, I think it's really the same. Um, so I find that a lot of times I am like still deconstructing and tearing things down, but then I'm also at the same time building other things up. Um, Could you give an example of each? I, I, oh maybe you can't. No, just <laughs> skip it if not. No, but no, no, no. I'll figure like, out like what, what, let, like what's something you're still deconstructing? You're still saying, you know, I don't, that doesn't help. This is, I'm, I'm going to walk away from that. One thing that I feel like I'm still deconstructing is how I feel about um, so my, my sister and my, my whole family basically are all missionaries, um, all of them, hmm. and I am not, and so uh, <laughs> that creates some problems sometimes, and I'm still trying to decide like how I feel about that, yeah, how right, I feel about right. um, my siblings going to other countries, and right. if I feel like that is mm -hmm. imposing something or not, mm -hmm. and, and just... Um, where I fit in that equation within my family. Super yeah. helpful. Yeah. Uh, is, there, is there a way you find yourself building right now, like uh, kind of reintegrating some practices or things like that? I feel like the biggest way I'm building is just like conversations with people. Mm. So um, conversations with my siblings, conversations with people here, mm -hmm. conversations with people who do not have any faith at all, right. people who have different faith. Um, that well, and, is like and, one of the biggest ways. And you come to church every week. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, that right? I mean, that's like a building sort of practice. So super interesting. Um, so talk to us just briefly about loneliness. Has loneliness been a piece of your of this season or the seasons, you know, kind of just before this season? Yeah. Um, so I would say like the last year of my life has definitely been the loneliest time in my entire life. Uh, you knew I was going to say I, that. I, I, don't know. I knew that it had been hard. I, wasn't gonna, I didn't know it was that. Anyway, yeah, it was really, really hard. Um, no one in my family has ever moved away like this. Um, so, like, my siblings do travel to different countries. They're gone for months at a time, but then they come back. Um, they all come back in their home. And just, you know, this past week with Thanksgiving, my family had two Thanksgivings, which I was not there for Aww. either. Um, and that was really, really tough. They FaceTimed me both times and showed me the whole family. Um, and it was just really hard because I have friends here. I have people I feel connected to here, but it's just not the same. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, loneliness is often a part of, of actually each season in some different ways, but, um, yeah. Um, so maybe we could we could close with this, um, if I can remember. The, what was the question, Brent? I was supposed to ask the last question. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I knew the. <laughs> You're seeing excellence on display here as usual. Um, 
Thanksgiving. That's right. Tell us about Thanksgiving. So where did you do? How was it? How did it happen? Yeah. So I, the, <laughs> the last two years for Thanksgiving, I've hosted um, for my friends who didn't have anywhere to go. And this year, I was just not feeling that. I, it's, I've been tired. I have way too much to do. Did not feel like cooking. And I have a hard time letting other people cook and bring their stuff. So I just decided I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I was going to spend Thanksgiving alone um, and just not do anything, really. And then a few weeks ago, my dad came to visit. And we were talking to Kathy over there. And she was like, I said something about, yeah, I'm not even going to do anything for Thanksgiving. I'm just going to be home. She was like, well, why don't you just come to our house? So it was just like a little offhanded comment. I think like in the moment, she probably didn't think anything of it. She told me later on, she went and talked to her husband, Joe, who is behind here right now. And he was like, that was so weird. Why did you ask like this like 20 year old if they want to come to our house for Thanksgiving? You're like a 40 year old woman. That's weird. Don't do that. Um, but it was not weird. <laughs> it was actually, so I like cried after, which I'm not a big crier. Um, and it was really, really meaningful to me. So I did go to their house for Thanksgiving. And honestly, it was like probably the best Thanksgiving I've ever had. Um, <laughs> see, I told you it was a cute story. Um, yeah. So they really treated me like part of the family and I just felt so comfortable and so welcomed um, and we had a great time we played some games and just talked and they invited me to something like a week from now um, so basically I'm part of that family now instead <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your very talented pastors are truly, we're really just rocking it today. <laughs> Ooh, sorry again, Stephen. I think, I hope it's okay. If not, you know, I, I handle the reimbursements. <laughs> oh, I loved Amy's story. Amy, where'd you go? Oh, I really appreciate you. You sharing that because I just think it's what all of us need sometimes it's what all of us want and it's such a picture i mean the 20 year old and the 40 year old could there be a better mary and elizabeth picture than that one this morning because that's what they were doing the woman with the home a little more settled a little more nested in saying come be with me you don't actually have to be alone there's a queer writer and activist named Lydia Wiley Kellerman, and I was just poking around online, you know, getting ready for this sermon, and, and she was just reflecting on how much aloneness Mary was going to experience in this whole process. She was going to be pregnant, sent off on another long journey, and in all of the rest of the narrative, she's going to be surrounded by men, right? As she's birthing a baby, as she's nursing, as she's recovering. Um, for any of you who have ever been in that position, sometimes it's nice to be around people who have also done it. But she's just going to be surrounded by a bunch of non-birthing people <laughs> all around her. She's going to be lonely. 
But here's what Lydia Wiley Kellerman writes. Knowing all that is to come, I delight in today's reading the story of Mary and Elizabeth. I give thanks that those friendships and spaces find their ways into Mary's life despite all the barriers. I give thanks that it was powerful enough that amidst all the other stuff left out about women in the Gospels, this makes it in. This story that calls in us to be human, to rest, to sing, to hope, to speak justice, to find intimacy, and to leap for joy in the face of all that's happening and all that is to come. As your pastors, we find that delight in stories like Amy's and all the little ways that you guys are inviting each other in and doing the journey together.